All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. Today, hearkening back to a favorite movie of ours, Dave, we're going to talk a little bit about... Are you ready? We're going to talk about... That dream within a dream. Princess Bride. (laughs) Yes, yes. The dream within a dream. Now, (laughs) what do we, what do we mean by a dream within a dream? We're talking, everyone, about Lehi's vision in the Book of Mormon. We know the Book of Mormon was a dreamed-up fictional piece of. Mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And so Lehi's dream is a dream within a dream, which was a great recommendation by you, Brother David. Thank you. Thank That's you. A great title. For, well, and it came to me during a dream. Oh! Oh! oh. oh that's so funny. Okay, so hey. we don't want to jump ahead too far, though. That's the topic. Let's start bro with some LDS church in the news really short one today guys President Nelson shares his gratitude for the global fast participants people worldwide joined recent fasts for COVID-19 relief On his social media accounts, Church President Rusty Nell shares his deep gratitude to all who participated in the recent fasts for global relief from the effects of COVID-19. Many participants joined in the petition to God, regardless of belief or faith tradition. Well, I wouldn't say regardless of belief, because if you're atheist or especially anti-theist like myself, you probably wouldn't be joining it. President Nelson also shared that brighter days are ahead. Like, eventually the stock market will come back up, right? Like, that's prophetic. (laughs) 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 Emphasizing that this is made possible through the master healer, Jesus Christ, or just through time and COVID goes away. (laughs) Either way, you want to take it. COVID-19 epidemic was also made possible by Jesus Christ because he's in control of That's everything right. that That's happens. Right. And he's he allowed it, and now he's going to fix it. Yeah, isn't Hurrah. that nice? Yeah, isn't that a mindfuck? Yeah, so a little tidbit of his Twitter here. I wish to express my deep gratitude. Uh, let's blah, blah, blah. As we joined together, I was humbled to learn of friends from many faiths all over the world who joined with us to appeal for relief. Fasting reminds me of the supreme sacrifice that our Savior made for each of us. As we look forward to recovery from this worldwide pandemic, I pray we'll find a stronger relationship with Him. Yeah. Thanks for beating us with COVID and then eventually taking us away. It makes us closer to you. We appreciate well, I'm, that. I'm humbled. Again, yes. there's that word. Yeah, humbled. it humbles us. Yeah. Ah, anyway, no condition yeah. is hopeless, says the prophet. Thanks to him, brighter days are ahead. I well, feel encouraged. Yeah. I mean, I'm my oh, my energy level just shot right up. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, isn't that just fun boom. how that affects? Yeah. I mean... Let's just 
be cognitively dissonant and let's just let's don't blame all the bad shit happening on God, but give him all the credit for when things finally get better. That that mm-hmm. sounds like a good idea. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, no deep thoughts today, but we're gonna head right in to a little bit of for your information. <laughs> You really need to become a DJ, sir. Oh, thank you. And you too, bro. Somebody's going to die. Our first entry is 1901. Mm -hmm. So again, as a reminder, the church has been around 71 years and all kinds of shenanigans are still taking place. Right. Uh, Including the fact that no one can actually escape death, (laughs) including (laughs) Lorenzo Snow. Oh, who? Yeah, so he dies on October 10th. First time church president dies before being able to set apart or function with new counselors. Wow. Now, here's the good news. It only took a week. October 17th, Quorum of Twelve Apostles sustains Joseph F. Smith as church president with his counselors and the presiding patriarch sets them apart only time that the patriarch does this now think about who we're talking about joseph f smith so the reoccurrence of nepotism Mm, in the church is about to hit high gear uh so no it never happened before or after it was the church patriarch because in this man's mind, it's blood. It's the bloodline mm-hmm. that counts. Mm-hmm. It's not when you were sustained to the 12 or by revelation. It's what's in your veins, motherfucker. Yeah, I was just going to oh. ask, uh, ask that, yeah. right? Because he wasn't the senior apostle, right? It was just yeah, blood. So, yeah. And by the way, t- to remind you, these are descendants of Hiram Smith. Ah. Joseph's family didn't get anything <laughs> no, it was his brother, Hiram, who had all the descendants that ended up in leadership roles. So wasn't it okay. Joseph's family that jumped into the reorganized church? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's Think correct. about that for a second. Okay. Anyway. So let's let's just get one more on that because we're having fun. It's still the same month, October 24th. Joseph F. Smith ordains his oldest son, Hiram M. Smith as a new member of the 12 apostle yeah yeah (laughs) apostle john henry smith writes i called attention to the charge that was likely to be made of nepotism (laughs) you think you think jesus oh my god man it's it's rich it's rich okay The next month, November 9th, Joseph F. Smith proposes to sustain presiding patriarch above the Quorum of the Twelve. What? (laughs) Yes. Wait, wait a minute. (laughs) Uh, Let me read it again. November 9th, 1901, Joseph F. Smith proposes to sustain presiding patriarch above the Quorum of the Twelve, which... His counselors and apostles opposed. Oh, imagine that. They opposed it. (laughs) At a special conference the next day, which sustains him as church president and his half-brother as presiding patriarch, Smith says, 
church patriarch technically should be sustained above the church president. Wow. Okay, hold yeah. on a second. This is the same guy who sustained him as a prophet, right? So we yeah. got something going on. Do we know who this patriarch is? There's got to be something going on there. I think it was... I think his name was John Smith. We could look yeah, it up. Interesting. Yeah, it has to be family. Yeah, I'm guessing but, John tripped into the brothel when F. Smith was getting little uh, action. And so there was the, a little bribery that needed to take were place there. Watching those shows in the back that they paid for. Remember? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> now, we're going to completely, completely shift gears here. The okay. end of that year. Last entry, December 6th, First Presidency discusses a letter from Sister Hendrickson. She's anxious to get a word from us in regard to her being the Holy Ghost. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. That's what just the a random... fuck? Yeah. She, she figured, okay, half the brethren teach it's a spirit personage half say he has a body fuck maybe i'm the holy ghost you know <laughs> oh my god man wow wow okay <laughs> let's let's jump into another <laughs> year of fun okay a whole lot of fun ahead folks couple more at least okay january 24th 1902 first presidency statement that the holy ghost following up on that last uh -huh. thing is a spirit personage while the spirit of god is impersonal influence from god and this is why they made that statement this resolves oh notice this the quiet dispute that has existed since joseph smith's 1833 lecture on faith that the holy ghost is the mind of god i found that statement to be fascinating yeah. i studied the lectures on faith thoroughly. Uh -huh. And I was very excited about that statement. I thought that makes sense yeah. to me yeah. because what you're trying to do is make sense out of a bunch of shit that doesn't make sense. <laughs> and when, when you get a statement where you go, Oh, there's some clarity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. You, you latch on to Maybe it. that's what's going on. Yeah. yeah. It kind of does make sense. If you, if you think about, well, we won't get into that, but yeah, that, that, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, March 6th, Apostle Abraham Woodruff, these names, it's crazy, yeah, right? I... He writes this, I had trouble with an insolent nigger conductor <laughs> on a train and told him what I thought of him, and I wished for a while that the slave days might return. <laughs> Oh my god oh wow I've, wow i've got one more and it it, it actually ups that one and oh, that was an apostle me. by you're the way that was an that apostle said, well yes yeah okay so now we've got a, a youngster <laughs> that's going to get involved in some fun april 5th clyde felt has confessed to cutting the throat of old man collins at what? his request the old man was a moral degenerate. The boy is the son of David P. Felt, grandson of former general authority. Clyde Felt is 14 years old. Now, here, here, here we go. Despite 
this blood atonement murder, LDS leaders allow the young man to be endowed and married in the temple eight years later. Yeah. You've got to be kidding me. Oh my God, man. Wow. I, I holy shit. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Uh, is that enough? Or you I, know, I, mean, I, I I guess I that last one leaves me dumbfounded. I, I this guy he was 14 years old, some some old guy who's a somebody called him or he was considered a moral degenerate. So yeah. to murder someone is a higher deed than to be a moral degenerate. I guess so. Yeah. And and blood atonement. Blood and atonement. You'll be actually yeah. rewarded later and allowed to pass through the walls of the temple. Yeah. Oh that, my God. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Wow. What do you even say to that? Wow. Holy <laughs> God. Okay. Okay, David. Hey. Thank you. <laughs> I guess you think you're going to start cursing me for this I, section. I'm going to start being having a little trepidation for for your information. Like, what other brutal, bloody murder will be approved by the apostles? And oh my, okay, here we. Well, whoo! Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> ah, folks, let's head into a dream. Within a dream. <laughs> Mary. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many of you know this movie. It oh, came out I, in like yeah. 90 what? Something. Can you even guess? I can look it up. Three? Yeah. yeah. Uh, your it, guess it, is 93 here on. Princess Bride. Princess Bride release date was... October 9th, 1987. Oh, my goodness. No the wonder. end of the 80s. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we just have memorized in our family uh, myriad lines. Damn near the whole movie. It's silliness run amok. It's oh, a very man. silly movie. Yeah. But it, it's a kind of humor that's contagious and therapeutic. Mm, that's true. Yeah. And so that that line, a dream within a dream, or maybe, wait, was it a vision? I'm not sure which. Well, Lehi seems confused as well. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> so, so let's jump into this topic, Lehi's vision. So first of all, the vision is found in the Book of Mormon. Most of you probably know this. You're probably very familiar with it assuming that most of our listeners have been active members at some point in their lives. The vision, there's no debating that it plays a huge part behind several doctrines in the church that are taught as this is life. This is the purpose of life. This is the goal. These are the dangers. You know, this is how you avoid those. This is life, right? This is your, this is your path. Uh, it's a very borrowed doctrine most of those concepts the tree of life is not new right this this concept has actually been it's very ancient actually all the way back to well, Yggdrasil and and further back 
uh, in yeah, cultures. Yeah, it's be, before the Genesis account, which involves yeah. Adam and Eve. And then, of course, the straight and narrow path is right out of the New Testament with Jesus. Yeah, there's lots of scriptural, and on and on and on. scriptural yeah. copying. I mean, I'm even talking culturally, so Yggdrasil, the Tree of Life in, in Viking uh, tradition or Nordic you know, culture, uh, way, way predating Christianity, right? Predating the Bible is this concept, and other concepts are, are borrowed as well. But everyone and knows the there, story. There's a famous, uh, a famous painting of a Mayan, and the description of the painting uh, includes the fact that out of his navel is growing the tree of life. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to be too redundant but yeah it's pervasive it's pervasive across Perva- many cultures yeah, yeah. yeah it makes sense because a tree is a really good expression or analogy for life and the roots you know going down into the ground for nutrients and you can imagine why a lot of cultures would have this symbol it's it's pretty clear i think uh to me but anyway so it turns out folks so where did this come from so it turns out joseph smith senior so joseph the prophet's dad he had a dream 19 years before the book of mormon was published and again most of you may know this some of you this may be a revelation but um bump uh so Lehi and Nephi are not the only ones to have had a vision of the tree of life. Joseph Smith's father saw the tree of life at least nine years before the first vision was supposedly going to happen, and 19 years before the Book of Mormon was published. So the vision of Joseph Smith Sr. was recorded. It was supposed to have happened in 1811, and it was recorded in Lucy Mack Smith's, so Joseph the prophet's mom history and you can compare a few of these things and we might jump into to more of this later but joseph smith senior says i thought i was traveling in an open desolate field which appeared to be very barren as i was thus traveling the thought suddenly came into my mind that i had better stop and reflect upon what i was doing before i went any farther so i asked myself what motive can I have in traveling here? And what place can this be? <laughs> so, you know, a uh, quick comparison to Lehi's vision. Methought I saw in my dream a dark and dreary wilderness, right? So very similar. Joe Smith Sr. continues, my guide who was by my side as before. So Lehi doesn't have a guide, as I recall, except that, the, did he? There was an angel that told him about yes. the fruit. Yeah, I'm... Okay. Anyway, uh, my guide was by my side. Let me just read it real quick. And it came to pass, I saw a man, and he was dressed in a white robe. That's right. And he came and stood before me, and he he said, come follow me. So the typical angelic presence. Yes. Okay, got it. So he did have a guide. Uh, Joseph Smith Sr., my guide who was by my side as before said, this is the desolate world, but travel on. The road was so broad and barren that I wondered why I should travel in it. For said I to myself, broad is the road and wide is the gate that leads to death. And many there There be that walk therein, but narrow is the way, straight is the gate that leads to everlasting life. Few there be that go in there. Okay. Lehi recorded, came to pass as I followed him, his guide. I beheld myself that I was in a dark and dreary waste. After I traveled for the space of many hours in darkness, I began to pray unto the Lord that he would have mercy on me according to the multitude of his tenderness. So finally, just one last snippet. 
Joseph Smith Sr. says, Traveling a short distance further, I came to a narrow path. There's that. This path I entered, and when I had traveled a little way in it, I beheld a beautiful stream of water which ran from east to west. Of this stream, I could see neither the source nor yet the mouth, but isn't that the same? The source or the mouth? But no, as far as the mouth is the delta at the end of the river. At the end. That's interesting. I think of mouth as the origin. Okay. Right. But as far as my eyes could extend, I could see a rope, a rope, running along the bank of it, about as high as a man could reach. And beyond me was a low but very pleasant valley in which stood a tree, which I had never seen before. So um, a rope. So, yeah, so so Joe Smith Jr. will turn that into something a little more solid. Uh, But, uh, yeah, just some snippets there. So the quick point there was Joseph Jr., who never did this kind of a thing in his life before or after, ripped off (laughs) something that somebody else shared and said, I know, I'll take this and elaborate and embellish a little bit and make it something a little different and that's addendum boys at it again addendum boy (laughs) (laughs) beautiful so folks we're going to get into the impact more of this vision and what members are taught to think really and how to act when they are told this vision is real right like whether, whether it's you know the point right the the lessons and the vision you need to take these to heart we're gonna we're basically gonna culminate the episode into that conversation before we get there let's talk a little bit more or share a little bit more about the basics of this so our beloved homophobic elder packer who is now belated gave a talk a while back on the tree of life Lehi's vision. Incidentally, if you look up that topic in a place like the LDS website, you will get, unsurprisingly, dozens of results of general conference talks, etc. People talk about this thing all the time. Okay, So I just picked one. And let's go through just a few little snippets of Packer's talk on this, because I think it'll help us, yeah, kind of get the basics here. So he starts out very basically, we'll just play a few seconds of this. In the eighth chapter of First Nephi, read about Lehi's dream. He told his family, Behold, I have dreamed a dream, or in other words, I've seen a vision. All mm. right, so he was confused. Is it a dream or a vision? Are they the same? Maybe. I, I don't know. We won't get into that. I had I guess. Uh, last night... Uh, uh, I'll a series of dreams. The difference being there's recall with dreams and sometimes there's not. And of course, if there's no recall, how did you even know you had a dream? Right. But sometimes the recall can be quite vivid and you're left to quandary, you know, gee, is there any meaning? It's a natural thing. Sure. I wonder why these individuals were part of that dream. A vision has always been taught or thought of as something given from God, not right. the meanderings of your nighttime mind. 
Right. And well, and I always thought of a vision, and maybe this was too narrow for me, to, uh, my thinking. I thought of a vision as kind of a waking dream, like you're seeing it while you're yeah. awake. Like, eyes eyes open, yeah. that's correct. Like the Gazing first toward vision. heaven. Right. Yeah. The first vision, he was awake, right, in his bedroom or the sacred grove, whichever account. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, whatever, right? So he, you know, take it for a vision from God. Okay, great. Well, why is this important to us? Uh, Packer's going to tell us. Here we go. You may think that Lehi's dream or vision has no special meaning for you, but it does. You are in it. All of us are in it. Nephi said, all scripture is likened to us that it might be for our profit and learning. So there's your answer. It's important to all of us. We're all in the dream. We're all, we're all represented by someone in that dream. So, yeah, yes. and there and there's the uh, the beginning of the mind fuck right there. As you read through it, and as an active member have it basically memorized, you cannot help but ask that question: Where am I? Am I one of these losers that wanders around, gets lost, uh, lets go of the rod of iron, so forth, and or am I the guy that makes it to the tree of life? And so again, that whole setup. Yeah, of us and them, and yeah. we'll we'll elaborate more on that. We will, yeah. Okay. But you're right, you're right. And uh, Packer's talking in this particular talk to, uh, I think it was a BYU devotional. So he's talking to college age people, and so you're going to hear him tell them something pretty powerful about this dream. Like, how useful can it be? How useful can the imagery and analogies be in their life? Is this all encompassing? Is this is this you know narrow specific doctrine? Let's hear what he says about that. Lehi's dream or vision of the iron rod has in it everything a young Latter Day Saint needs to understand the test of life. Test. <laughs> well, there you go. There it is. Yeah. This, this is this is a yeah. test. H- had this been an actual emergency. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can't help it. You know, that used to come on TV a lot, and there would be this Indian. Why Why an Indian? A Native American with this certain uh, symbology uh, and <laughs> ultra-annoying sound on the TV. This is a test of the emergency broadcasting system. So, yeah, when, uh, again, that is Mormonism. Yes, it is. In a crux. Life is a test. It's not an adventure. It's not experiential. It's it's pass or fail. That's right. And back to the dream specifically, this dream will teach you everything you need to know about life's test. Wow. That's pretty inclusive, right? I mean, that's holy shit. Okay, well, I better be aware. So what are the major symbols in this dream? This will be the last little snippet from Packer here. Again, very familiar to people familiar with the story. Here's the main symbols in the dream. Lehi saw a great and spacious building, a path following a river, a midst of darkness, and an iron rod which led through the midst of darkness. The tree of life was there whose fruit was desirable to make one happy. 
So that's the major points of the dream. Yeah, so you yeah. have uh, the great and spacious building. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about all these really in, in certain aspects. The river, the, the dark mist of darkness, the iron rod. You know, speaking of dreams and rods, Dave, I don't want to get us, I don't want to sidetrack us here, but, you know, you mentioned to me you had a dream with certain female, uh, I'm not going to get too, you know, detailed here, but certain female entities <laughs> were in your dream. Yeah, and, they, and you, you woke up, n- yeah. They were nymphs, and they were dancing around. Ah. Uh, it, it, and interestingly, not in Greek attire or Egyptian, uh, no attire. Oh, well, yeah. Wow. Sorry about that image, but yeah. Okay. I, I, I woke up and I had been clinging to that iron rod. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So my advice is hold fast. <laughs> Whew. All right. Thanks. Sorry, for guys. You knew we were going to go there. <laughs> yes, you knew. You had to know. You listened to this pathetic podcast you you had to know we were going to do something like that uh yes the iron rod different little meaning there uh, <clears throat> anyway uh i'm gonna share just a couple i'll be sharing some headings from bednar and pearson um so lizard man is another guy who's talked about this topic otherwise known as as david bednar uh here's some headings in his talk, key symbols in Lehi's dream. We just talked about those clinging versus continually holding fast to the rod. So he mentions, you know, there's some people, there's all these different groups of people who are described. And the lesson is supposed to be, which group are you, right? Like, which group are you going to be in this vision? And one group was clinging to the rod, and then they would let go when they were ashamed versus continually holding fast to the rod. So uh, mm. evidently continual masturbation, I mean, continually holding to the rod is preferred in Bednar's world. And then, uh, well, in the dream as well, because they make it to the tree. The Book of Mormon is for us today is his last little tidbit. And then if we jump to Pearson here, Kevin Pearson of the 70, don't forget to pray. Come unto Christ and be perfected in him. Press forward with faith. The Book of Mormon is key to spiritual survival. Don't be distracted and deceived. Ah, that's a big mist of darkness one and spacious building one. Stay by the tree is his uh, major headings in his talk. So we see these teachings based on Lehi's dream consistently. This is what we're talking about. So, David... As we think about this, what does this vision, what's it telling people about the purpose of life, about this world, the nature of the world, like which group of people they are in this vision? I mean, what, what's going on here? What, what are you to believe as a member if you really believe this vision? Okay, yeah. This is the foundation of Mormon theology and uh, inclusive exclusivity or exclusive inclusivity. I mean, 
we have for months been uh, talking about doing a podcast entitled Here Comes the Judge. Yeah. And there, there's elements of judgment woven throughout the Mormon theology. It's always the us and them and the winners, the losers, those who end up with the prize at the end of the a test and those who fail. Mm-hmm. Oh, woe, un, woe unto them. So what we're going to do is take take a little journey down this path. This is a path described in the New Testament by Jesus, mm. straight and narrow. So I become a member of the church, and by the ordinance of baptism, I enter into the path. And I'm being guided all along the way by my superiors, also known as parents and leaders in the church, and it, various critical parts of my life there's important decisions to make will i masturbate once a week or 10 <laughs> times a week i mean <laughs> because there isn't a teenager alive who's normal that's not tempted as it were with that natural process and so i i'm introduced to guilt feelings and the word here used is shamed those who partook of the fruit you think they'd won the game right mm-hmm. but there, there are those in the great and spacious building who point the finger of scorn and then they look down at the ground they're ashamed they're all ashamed yeah and, and then many of them in the building have the attitude of mocking and pointing fingers and i can't help but think with that aspect of the dream of what joseph himself had been going through in these early days of this so-called restoration mm-hmm. where he's introducing things that people are not happy with. Yeah. That's a good <laughs> point. Yep. It, he's getting mocked. He's getting persecuted. It, it probably feels ashamed. He tells us when he goes into the grove that that was the main reason he went to the, the grove apparently for the first vision is he was ashamed. He, he wanted to know, God, am I all right? Yeah, And so this is filling up his life, and then it fills up the pages of this fictional book that he writes. So we're on that path. The key element is to cling hold to this iron rod, yeah, which, of course, is the word of God. So my question is, which word of God? Right. Is and it which God? Is the Bible? Well, <laughs> no. Yeah, which God? No, because I'm getting constant revelations that hasn't hasn't been published as such yet, but there I'm constantly getting revelations, and that's the newest word of God. So cling hold to that. So as I'm traveling down this very narrow path and almost stepping on my own feet, it's so narrow, another rod appears. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, which what's this book of Mormon? Another rod, another stick, as it were. Uh Should I cling hold of that? Well, I know I'll use my left hand (laughs) to cling hold of that. Well, son of a bitch, another rod appears. Now there's three. Yeah. The doctrine and covenants. And then we, (laughs) as, as I continue and I'm trying to juggle and decide between these often contradictory rods of the word of God. So they cross over each other, right? Yes. Intertwine. A fourth one shows up. I just said, I just pictured you're, you're holding on picture these like waist high 
So you got one in your left hand, one in your right hand. The one in the middle, you've like you've like scooted your ass on top of. So you're pull, you're pulling your ass down the middle one while you're holding on to the left right. and right one. And then that fourth one comes up, and you're like, oh, I don't have a third arm. What the fuck am I gonna do? What am I gonna do now? Okay, anyway, and just sorry. just when you thought it was difficult enough, and you realize, hey. It's just because God loves me that all this is happening, okay? Keep that in mind. You see a a sign ahead that says low bridge, and you're like, what the fuck? What? (laughs) So you duck down. Now you're on your hands and knees trying to grasp these rods, and you're reminded, oh, yes, only the penitent man shall pass Uh, to rip off a line from Raiders uh, of the Lost Ark. Yes. The Holy Grail. The humble man, the camel through the eye of the needle. Only the humble shall pass. So you're you're more than willing to crawl for a while. You get out of that bullshit and you're thinking, God, I hope God's happy with me now. Boom. Hell no. Big mist of darkness shows up. (laughs) And you're thinking, great, where's the path? And you see different people all over you think well they're the ones that are lost right oops i hope so i sure could use some of those jaredite stones right now (laughs) to light my way on this precarious path yeah and you go a little further and all of a sudden another sign and it says yield and you're like what right as you're you know thinking what what the hell could that mean a whole group of people just fly right past you and you're like, wow, how how can they be moving so quickly, so fast? And you hear these voices as they pass you. We paid more tithing than you did. <laughs> we we said more prayers than you did. I and I went to the temple more than you did. And then even a little boy says, I love my heavenly father. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh shit, I hope I make it there. Oh my god. You get there, and and the fruit is already falling off the tree. Oh, okay. Like, oh. Damn it. I made it, but I'm late. Yeah. Son of a bitch. <laughs> well, you can still eat I don't it. know. It's the 30-second rule, right? If you grab one. Yeah, yeah. You know. Oh, there's the second resurrection. That's right. That's ah, where. Right, right. So anyway, the great and spacious building, by the way, is filled with people finely dressed. So they're wealthy people and that's got to be a sin of course symbolizes is preoccupation with worldliness so we were just bombarded with this whole idea you don't don't want to be part of the world you're in it but that's the test don't become of it in other words if you're wealthy now wait a minute wait a minute now i'm confused god said he would bless his righteous sons and daughters with prosperity now mm. shit which is it yeah Can you shed some light on, i mean i don't get it yeah that's one of the many many kind of contradictions that we see in the book of mormon itself regardless of all the other scriptures right and you know the great and spacious building so having nice things having nice apparel must be bad that must be a sin and I just even think, David, of like this great field which represents the world and this narrow, narrow path with this rod that you better not even let go and take a step away. And that's your experience in this life. Like you're not going out into the world in any way, shape, or form 
You're yeah. uh, see ya. You're gonna get lost in the mist of darkness. You're gonna fall into the fountain of water and drown, as some people are described as doing. It, it scares the living shit out of you. The world is evil. The and whole the, world favorite, is bad. In the description of the people drowning in the depths of the fountain, and there were many who were lost from his view, wandering in strange roads. <laughs> <laughs> I think of Iron Maiden's album, Strange. I, world i don't whatever I don't recall the hell it is yeah okay, I, what? yeah before the episode i was saying i was thinking of dio songs on strange highways you know strange yeah. highways you're out there that's you and me by the way <laughs> yes we're lo- we're lost we're on we strange fell roads. away yes i'm gulping for air i'm halfway down in the fountain mm-hmm. which we don't really know what represents i thought a fountain usually was a good thing Mm, you know, yeah, like you know. fountain of youth and yeah. apparently not deceptive so yeah right. extremely narrow life and that's what god wants yeah he sent you here to experience about one tenth of one percent of what you could experience so that you can make it back to him makes yeah. a lot of sense to me yeah I mean, doesn't that make sense yeah you have this whole quote-unquote spacious field of the world with all these people out there who aren't on your little narrow path, all these people in the building, right, scorning you, whatever. That's the feeling you get, right? Not only are you not supposed to go experience the world and go talk to or associate with any of these other people who aren't on your little narrow path, they're also your enemy. They're also scorning you. They're making fun of you. Oh, and watch out because you see what's happening to all of them. They're all drowning or getting lost in the mist. Or Look, there's nothing good outside of the church. That's basically the message here. There's and nothing especially good. Especially as a teenager. Yeah. When you saw even certain attire, the the word that's mentioned there is the attire that these people in this building were wearing. And so if you wanted to be part of the group, you know, wear the clothes that other kids were wearing, that was a sign you were slipping into the ways of the world. Yeah. If you spoke the way they spoke, if you smoked what they smoked, (laughs) (laughs) you you were (laughs) slipping away and you were constantly reminded of that. I mean, constant state of guilt at some level or another. Yeah. Because guys, how can you go through the field and only ever be on that little teeny narrow path and never take a step into the field? Right. And lest you want to keep stepping into that field, like David said, you're going to have some guilt. You're going to, be chastised for letting go of, of that rod for half a second, right? Like, that's not what you're supposed to be doing in life. I just can't get over that whole narrow path is right. This narrow-minded yeah. view of life. And that is what God wants for you, is a narrow-minded life. He wants you to look straight ahead, hold on to this thing, and... As the one guy said in the heading that I mentioned, you know, Pearson or whatever, that mist and the rest of the world out there, everything out there, I don't care how good it looks or how exciting or interesting that might look to you, that's all deception. All of that is just created to deceive you. Are you fucking kidding me? Wow, what a scary life. Think about that. 
I and mean, we get a, an yeah. expansion on this in chapter 11 of first Nephi. Nephi asked to see what his father saw, and we mm-hmm. get a three chapter version of it that again expounds on what all of this is about. It's mm-hmm. just a reiteration of the same thing. And so that's the doctrine, that's the basis of the Mormon journey. Babylon, the great and spacious building Babylon, and we are headed for Zion, another (laughs) Israel nation fascination thing going on there. Yeah. And you should feel nervous and anxious along the way. If you're not, you're doing something wrong. If, If you've got peace and an adventuresome spirit that you're able to express in your life, you're probably doing something wrong. Yeah, it means you're not holding tightly enough to the iron rod and you know even missionary work we know this is a huge huge expense and investment and focus right in the mormon church when you get to the tree and lehi talks about this starting with him right he's there in his dream he takes the first bite of this fruit it fills him with happiness he's at the end of his journey remember that fruit isn't available on the way you don't get happiness while you're walking down the path, right? There is no happiness until the end of the path. This is a huge teaching in the church. Well, then he wants to share it. So then we get this whole missionary work. Okay. Missionary, right. missionary, right? Oh, well, I, I wanted to share it with my family. That was my first thought, which makes sense, right? So he looks around. It, it where does. Where is my family, right? Oh, there's Nephi and... And my wife and Sam, and they're at the head of the fountain or whatever. He, hey, guys. And they, they paid attention, and they came and joined him. Interestingly, they didn't have to go down the path. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that part. They're like in a different spot, which is a kind of a pleasant area, like by a fountain of water or whatever. And, and he's like, come here. And they just walk over. <laughs> it's not like... Oh shit! You didn't have to go down the damn path. They've with the got the right DNA, and, right? Oh, that's yeah. a good point. And Laman and Lemuel are like, "Fuck you! We want to go experience the world," which is evil, of course. And so they go off and they don't listen and they don't come to the tree. But guys, again, what a terrible view of life! I hope you're happy in misery because this mist and darkness and dusty trail and holding on to that fucking rod, which has little metal splinters in it, by the way, <laughs> sticking to you. You're like, fuck, ah, I got to keep holding, bleeding along the rod. You know, what's this? What's Why is the rod so slick? Well, it's all the blood that came before you, you know? So, the blood <laughs> of the prophets. Right? Yeah. So you're, you're slipping yeah. down this bloody rod, and then you finally get to be happy, you know? It, what the fuck is that teaching let, people? Let me tell you about a happiness that you want to share and that is the happiness of coming to the conclusion that this is all bullshit that mormonism (laughs) is nonsense it's cult-like it's ruins people's lives you have that ultimate awareness by degrees perhaps and at some point it's like oh my god i need to let other people know at their willingness to accept what I found, not the tree of life, the tree of, oh, knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. There's back, two trees in the garden, remember? Back to the garden. Yep. Mr. Back. Snake Man. <laughs> 
Yeah, guys, that I mean, it's just so interesting. I could picture this. You know, you've seen probably artwork that people have done. There's been all sorts of pieces done to represent Lehi's dream, pictures and sculptures and all sorts of shit. And I can imagine one with a little extra on it, right? You've got this little corner of this six-foot-long, huge canvas, a two-foot or a one-foot or six-inch piece of it, whatever you want to say, has this little picture of Lehi's dream, and you got this narrow rod of iron, and there's a picture like a mountain that is difficult to see over, especially while you're down on that trail holding on to the rod. And on the other side of the mountain is the real world. Right, and there's people that are hold on to your seats. There's people that are experiencing happiness and having fun and and experiencing life and being their true selves and seeing all the rest of the world and the crazy, beautiful, dangerous, and wonderful things that the world has to offer. And they're on the other side of this mountain, right, that you can't even fucking see over because you're told, hey, don't look over there. Hold on to that little rod. I don't know, man. It's like being given a free pass with any airline of your choice in business class style to go <laughs> see the rest of the world and say, nope, that's evil. And burn the ticket. I'm not sure why. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure why this image came to me, but I was thinking of like the log ride or any one of those larger rides at an amusement park and you're inside mm-hmm. of something, some kind of a mountain. Yeah and it's dark and everything's clanging and creaking and there's iron everywhere <laughs> and it's and it's there's mists and it's it's hell it's essentially <laughs> hell and then you break out of the top and you wow you <laughs> fall down this great thing into the water and you're just exhilarated and that's that's the experience of finally leaving the church you got out of the church yeah exactly yep. a great analogy right <laughs> and you're a little wet, but it's hot outside, and you're just like, this is awesome. This is, uh... but the, yeah. the tunnel can be a little scary. It really yep. can, you know, I don't know if I want to let go of this. Just let go and take the ride of life, right? That's, that's a great analogy. And you come out, and you're like, holy shit, there's daylight out here. But they told me it was just a mist of darkness. And they told me people were drowning and dying out here, right? And Oh my God, this is the world in front of me. I can see the sky. <laughs> it's holy shit. Yeah, you guys. Know, yeah. Again, I, I, these images from the same movie. Uh, no, this is the third one, I, I think. Indiana Jones again, where he falls into this crack that's been created. There are great earthquakes when they're mm-hmm. trying to get the uh, golden, the, the grail. Holy, holy grail, yeah. Yeah, the holy grail, yeah. And the earth opens up and all hell breaks loose and Indy falls into the crack and he was reaching for the cup. And all of a sudden this quiet voice from his father, Indy, let it go. Yeah. You know, let yeah. it go. Let it go. So go ahead and take your hand off that rod. <laughs> <laughs> meaning, meaning allowing yourself to be led through your experience called life by someone else imagine that imagine picking your own path how crazy and scary that is so yeah you can see how the vision of lehi as we were kind of saying really drives a lot of core theology Mm -hmm. and beliefs in the church in the leadership 
of course, then what is disseminated to the members and what they're told they have to do to experience happiness. And, you know, I don't know about you guys. I don't want to wait to be happy. And I think it's okay to be happy right now. And unlike a lot of confused, active members and leaders in the church, happy doesn't necessarily have to mean what they call sin, <laughs> right? No. Happy can just be living life, just be being yourself and pursuing your dreams and living your life and, and pursuing your path, right? And I, I look at the world as a world with all these billions of paths, and they all cross each other and experience each other. And they're not just alone, never intersecting, right? It's not one narrow path that doesn't intersect with anything else. How exclusive, back to your point, Dave, of this Again, single yeah. path. that It doesn't even cross other paths, right? It's just like off by itself. You don't get to cross anybody else's life except those who are on that same path with you. And that's you. That's your life. Well, any, any theology that teaches that the destination is somewhere out there and in the future is going to rob you of the opportunity to make the correct journey, which is the journey within. The destination, the joy is within, and it will be found within. It will come from within you. Yeah, that's perfect. Not, not out there, not at the end of some long ass path, not on a tree. Yeah. Yeah. None of that. It's right within. Take that journey. Have the courage to take that journey. I've spoken about it a, a few different times. Yeah. And yeah. so they're actually leading you away from the true source of joy and happiness by telling you it's out there somewhere. It's out there. I promise you'll get it sometime, right? And you're so <laughs> you're so right, David. I mean, we've talked about this a few times. The destination is the journey. The journey is what it's about. Exactly. Life is what it's about, not some destination or endpoint out there that you might get no. to or you can work toward. Until you get there, you're never really going to be happy or fulfilled or you're never really going to have meaning. What a terrible philosophy. And terrible. I believed it. I believed it for most of my life. And, <laughs> and yeah. when you pass, when yeah. you lay down your body, the journey continues. Now, yeah. that's a belief. Yeah. I choose to believe that. I could say I had experiences to verify that, but then I might sound like Joseph Smith. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of experiences? What did you have to eat before that experience happened? Huh? <laughs> we need an explanation. And was it a dream? By the way, <laughs> or was it I've a been in the pit of despair. Oh, the pit of despair. <laughs> I love Where is it. that confounded knot? I can never find that knot. Open the door to the pit of despair. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. More fun. More fun from the uh, Princess Bride. Yes. Have fun, guys. And, you know, it looks like, I don't know, it looks like from what I'm hearing, this whole COVID thing is starting to reach kind of a neutral point, whatever. Every area is different. But in aggregate, I think there's more light at the end of that freaking tunnel, right? Speaking of analogies. So we'll get there. I don't there. know. I'd like a nice paper cut and pour some lemon juice in it. <laughs> 
Well, I'll just say this in closing, David. Have fun storming the castle, okay? <laughs> what gate key? I have no gate key. I'm going to have to get another giant. All right, enough with that. You guys are awesome. Those of you who who tune in on a weekly basis uh, and can understand our insanity and our true desire to free people from the real mists of darkness. <laughs> well said, bro. Love you guys. Take it easy, and we see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>